2: Welcome all to episode seven of NBA Holes. I am your co-host, Joe Connors, with my other host, Mr. Dave Hendrick. How are you, my friend?
3: I'm good, Joseph. I'm good. It's a good week. Big game tomorrow night. Ah, uh,
2: yes, yes, yes. Actually, I'm, probably
3: last night as people listen to
2: this. Yeah, yeah, cause with, uh, Dave and I are recording at almost nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Him and I are in the same time zone, even though he's in Toronto, he's not very far from me. Uh, for people who are geographically not with it. Um, so tonight, Dave, we're gonna do a lot of Twitter questions. I appreciate everybody who sends them out. Um, it really sparks debate between me and you, which is, makes this show fun. Yeah, and, uh, it's just
3: really cool that people actually take the time to not only listen, but to get involved as well. I really like that. That's kind of why we wanted to do this.
2: Yeah, it really is. If, if we were just gonna talk baseball all the time, we could just do that on Twitter, but it's nice to have, um, People who join in and want to be part of it, and I'll start with our first question. It's a man who I usually start with him most of the time because I love Marco. Um, I love all our followers, so I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings. But Marco is a big basketball fan, so his first question is guilty pleasures: players on rival teams that you love. Oh, I let you go first. All right. So I'm a Sixers fan. Um, I thought about this from past and present. Um, uh, past, obviously, the Boston Celtics are a big rival of ours, but I love Larry Bird. Um, I don't know many, too many people who don't love Larry Bird. You'll get some hardcore Sixers fans who will never admit it that they love Larry Bird just because he's a Boston Celtic and it's a whole Boston Philadelphia, um, rivalry. Uh, I think nowadays, it's it's tough because I don't really like any Celtics now. Um other rivalries, New York Knicks. I do love Kristaps Porzingis. I think he's a fantastic player. Um other Sixers rivals the Lakers used to be a rival a long time ago. Not necessarily now. Um anybody on their team now I'm not envious of. Um there was a time I love I love Kobe Bryant's game. Um He would. I would love him to be on the Sixers. He is a local kid. He was born in Italy, but he grew up playing basketball right outside of Philadelphia. So that would be, I think, three guys who I would be definitely guilty pleasures of mine. See, one of the things
3: you need to have to have rivalry in the NBA is you need to actually be a good, relevant team. And for the majority of the time, the Wolves have been in existence. We've been terrible. So we don't really have any real rivalries. We don't have any historic rivalries the way Philly has with the the Lakers, the Celtics and the Knicks. Um, but our, so our rivalries are mainly either geographic or other places where it's really cold. So, um, Milwaukee's probably our biggest rival in that sense because they're not very good either. Um, (laughs) but over the years, like I, I loved Ray Allen when he was there. Um, I liked Vin Baker when he was there. I thought. Yeah, he was
2: a good player.
3: Before he had his issues, Vin Baker was just, he was unstoppable in the post. And he could step out, like, Vin Baker was one of the original kind of uh, stretch fours. Yeah. Um, I was a big
2: fan of Big Dog Robinson. I was gonna say that. I was curious if you were. Guys, he, play- he was a beast. Remember, he was on the sixer, but he was shot and he was a dog here, but yeah. yes, he was. Very good for Milwaukee. He was a beast. Um, just a pure scorer. And he was,
3: he's, he's like one of the great college players as well. Oh, yeah. Um, now, now with them, the two guys I love, the freak obviously, um, Giannis. Giannis is just, uh, he's like a force of nature. He's an incredible basketball player. And he's only gonna get better. Like he's still, he's still raw talent. Like he's only scratching the surface of what he could become. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously gotten by for a long time on size and explosiveness and athleticism. Now he's learning the fundamentals of the game, and he's going to be a terrific player, top one of the top five players in the league. Um, the other guy I love is Chris Middleton. I I just love three and D guys. I love guys who put so much effort into playing defense. Me too. um And he's a, he's a really good shooter. He obviously missed a lot of last season, but it was a bad injury. So he's a big get to have him back this year for them. Um, other rivalries in terms of, you know, locality, Chicago, obviously. But the only rivalry we really have with them now is over over Thibodeau. Uh, that's where that rivalry has really come from, is just Thibs. So in terms of players that they have, they don't really have anyone. Like now, I like Miritich, but he, Miritich in the NBA is not the Miritich that we played in Europe.
2: No, no, he's, vastly different. Very, big, big, big different game, so. Yeah.
3: And he's just, but he's, that's it. The, the difference in the style of the game has just, has cost him a lot of what made him very good in Europe. But I still think on the right team, in the right system, he could be a valuable sixth or seventh man coming off the bench. Um, obviously over the years, I mean, they've had incredible players. Rose, Noah.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Obviously we got um, like I loved that the the Thibodeau Bulls team. I absolutely loved them before Rose got hurt. I thought there were a certainty to win the title. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know you go back and you have Jordan and
2: sure, Pippen yeah, and that, all
3: that, but everybody loves those guys and everybody loves that Bulls team. You
2: now, know? give me a player from doesn't have to be a rival. Give me a player that he is your most envious that you wish you had on the Wolves. Um, can I say Ricky Rubio? Uh, no, um. You can if you want to. Yeah. Rick, I mean, I, I, he, he fits better with them now. I, I still don't understand that trade after. No, I'll never understand out.
3: that trade. Ricky, Ricky's just, Ricky's the most underrated player in the league. And I think hopefully this year he's going to get the respect he deserves in Utah. Um, I suppose. It's gonna sound weird, but Hazonia in Orlando, and I know he doesn't play very much, but I watched a lot of him before he got drafted because I knew he was going to be a high draft pick.
2: Yeah, and he, and was. Before, he was before. Yeah,
3: and like before the draft, I didn't know where the Wolves were going to be picking, and I because with the Wolves we never have any good luck. I assumed we'd be picking like fourth or fifth. So I, I was looking at it thinking we've got Wiggins. What we ideally need is another big long wing who can play defense and be a playmaker. And his own you was like the obvious choice. And he just, he hasn't worked out in the NBA, but I still love watching him because you can, he does little things and you just think if the right coach got hold, like if Popovich ever gets hold of him, that guy is going to be absolutely incredible. He could end up having a career. Like a guy I mentioned a few weeks ago, Drazan Petrovic, where he comes over and it's just the wrong circumstance, the wrong coach, the wrong organization for him, and if he gets a trade, he could become a really, really good player, because he has the skill, he's very, very talented. It's just, Yeah, it's
2: all about system. I that's, mean, that's exactly
3: a, it. And it's a huge thing. Like I'm just amazed that Vogel doesn't use him as like a mini Paul George or a Paul George, Paul George light and run things, like use him as your, you know, to run your second unit through off the bench. If you don't trust him to start, run your second unit through. It can't be any worse than what it was last year. And like, memo to all Orlando fans, you guys suck. You have to try and make the most of all the talent you have there. Just gamble, try things. Like for Vogel, he's not going to get fired because they're not going to get a better coach than him. He might be the best coach they've had there since he actually is the best coach they've had there since Stan Van Gundy. So, um, he might even be a better coach than Stan down the road. So, he he should be risking things and trying things and and trying to make it work. I mean, you you pick that guy high, he didn't, but the organization picked him high. So let's see what he can do. Let's really see what he can do in the NBA.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I think, I guess for me, um, oh, I have hard. one other one. Go ahead. from the same
3: from the same team, Bismack oh, I
2: Yeah, I knew you were going to take him.
3: I love Bismack Biyombo because he just reminds me of like an eighties power forward, like the guy you'd put next, like a, a Charles Oakley type of guy that you'd put next to your center, and he would just rebound and play defense and do nothing else. He might get you six points a game. So yeah,
2: Bismack Biyombo. OK, and for my team, I, I want a shooter um, and I'm going to be realistic and I'm going to go back to Clay Thompson because I'm going to keep saying that until that actually happens. Um, so you may hear that a lot repeated because I really want him on the Sixers. I know you want him on the Celtics, but quite frankly, fuck you. I don't want him on the Celtics. So <laughs> <laughs> so another Marco question, which is Marco's got great questions. Um, great players who deserves better deserves better be it by numbers recognition or rings um I thought of a few guys off the top of my head there's your obvious ones in Carl Malone um and John Stockton who were uh, NBA Hall of Famers who didn't win anything they're your obvious ones but I, I tried to dig deeper into this and I thought about guys like um Glenn Rice who was a very good player and just didn't play on great teams um uh, unfortunately, Penny Hardaway, guys like that, who would have probably been a Hall of Famer if not for injuries. Didn't, um, didn't Glenn Rice get a ring?
3: I'm not sure. Did I he? think he won one with the Lakers coming off the bench with that shot. Uh, oh, Kobe Lakers. OK. He might but,
2: have coattailed them. Yeah, uh,
3: exactly. I do agree. Like, and, and there's a lot of guys that got rings like that. I mean, Gary Payton clung on and yeah. got one in Miami,
2: you know. Great player. Great player. Um yeah, Sean Kemp was another one Yes. who was a fantastic player. Um fathered about thirty seven children, but that's all good because he was one of the best basketball players ever, and I used to love Sean Kemp, and I still hate to this day that Seattle doesn't have a team. Mm-hmm. It still bothers me. Um other players off the top of my head, a guy I always really liked, um Tim Hardaway is definitely one of them. Yeah. Although I don't, did he get a ring too? He was one of those guys hanging on. He played oh. for so long. I, I'm yeah.
3: not sure if he got one or if his knee went before he got one. Okay, let me check.
2: I don't think that he did. I think the last team he played with was with the Pacers, but that was no, no he it never was the Nuggets. Yeah, he's he's one of the biggest ones because he was so so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will not mention Chris Welber because I hate him. He's a dog. I would see. I would have mentioned
3: him, but. The guy who actually ties in the last two people you've mentioned, Weber and Hardaway, was traded for Chris Weber to Washington when Weber ended up in Sacramento, but was originally a Golden State Warrior next to Tim Hardaway in the backcourt, Mitch Richmond. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. Immense player. And like, you know, you could look at Chris Mullen from that same Warriors team, run TNC as they were known. Yes. Um, and just fantastic players. I mean, there's so many, like, Dominic Wilkins. Yeah. That guy he deserves. Like, he never Clyde gets credit. Clyde, Clyde Drexler. Uh, you know, we could look at, I, I mentioned Vin Baker earlier on, like his, people will look at his numbers and say, oh, he, you know, he had a couple of good years, but he did only have a couple of good years, but he was great in those years, and then yeah. off-court stuff kind of affected him really badly. Like, I know Dirk and KG
2: have a ring, but those yes. guys deserve more than one ring. I totally agree. Like, yeah, man. no, Ke- Kevin Garnett's a, a fin- one of the. I mean, they both are actually mm. Kevin and uh, Dirk are two of the best players ever to step on an NBA court. Um, That's it. They're two, they're of the,
3: two of the five best power forwards ever.
2: Oh okay. yeah, yeah, no question about it. Um, and Marco's last question, which it, this is this is really difficult because I don't know if anything beats this, but he said, "Is there a better signature shot ever than the sky hook?" Obviously, Kareem had the sky hook. And he said, "If so, why?" Um, I would say no,
3: because it was it was unblockable, and he yeah. scored like a million points with the sky hook, and he could do it from anywhere. He could do it from five feet out up to fifteen feet out. Like he did, his sky hook was he was hitting the sky hook from where most people are hitting mid range jumpers.
2: Yeah, he really you was. know.
3: And like the skill that goes into having that balance and ability, um, is just it's it's insane. I I would say no. I would say that is the greatest single, you know, repetitive shot in NBA history. And it's really weird to me that nobody has kind of adopted it since the the jump hook really became the the go to for big men because it's a lot easier because you jump off two feet rather than one foot with the sky hook. The yeah. guy I would like to see adopted, and I think it, it could actually help him massively in terms of being able to stay on the court, is Joel Embiid because he has yeah, the touch
2: and he has the he has the the size and length. He can do it. Yeah, I think he could too. I, I his biggest thing is just taming himself. He he doesn't have to play, and it's hard for guys to do this, but he doesn't have to play a hundred mile a hundred miles an hour all exactly. the time. Um, and that's what Kareem was. Kareem was a laid back guy and. You know, I thought about this question, too, and I I do agree with you that I don't think anybody else's signature shot, but the one I thought – there is a player who we actually just mentioned who I thought in Dirk Nowitzki who had that step-back one-leg jumper. With the knee raised. That's right. Yeah. And it's impossible to stop a guy who's almost seven foot tall and can shoot like that. That was the one guy I thought of. I couldn't think of anybody Mm. else because – that is his signature shot. I mean, it, when you guard him one on one, one on two, it doesn't matter because he turns around, puts that knee up, and fades away and hits that jumper from anywhere on anywhere, the court,
3: anywhere out the three, anywhere out to the three point line. And yeah, again, I, it's great for the same reason it's it's unblockable because yeah, he's, he's so se- tall. Yeah, like you say, he's seven foot tall. He's got long arms. He's got good extension on his jump shot. Plus, because he's putting his knee up, you can't you can't get chest to chest with him. But no. that, that's the only way to guard him is to get chest to chest with him and you can and we've seen in the last couple of years Kevin Durant has started to bring that that same shot into his arsenal mm-hmm. and I, I would imagine in six, seven years when KD is really kind of towards the end of his career he will go to that time after time after time Um if we're looking at something that was a set play that is in that rivals these the John Stockton, Karl Malone pick and roll yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was absolutely. unstoppable for a lot of the same reasons. You just couldn't guard it, like, um, but in terms of, yeah, the Dirk fadeaway is, is right up there. Like, Jordan had developed an incredible fadeaway as well. He did. And Hakeem Elijah one, you know, would dream shake. Post moves. Yeah, yeah. You know, dream yeah, yeah. shake, go right shoulder, fadeaway. And you weren't blocking it. And, but, but the, the, the sky hook is the, the iconic one. For the modern game, it's it's absolutely it's the Dirk uh, step back fadeaway.
2: Yeah, and it's so funny. Neither of those players could jump at all. No. And, and it just goes to show you, like, they developed their games. I mean, obviously they're God given talent, but they developed those shots that were unstoppable, but neither of those guys can jump six inches off a of, off of court.
3: No, they couldn't work. Jump. Dirk couldn't jump over a phone booth, like, or a phone book, like. Did?
2: No, no, he definitely can't. Right. No. Um, so. Like, the other
3: one, the one that. The guy who's kind of developed a shot in recent years is that James Hardaway or James Harden, it's not a it's not a step back fadeaway.
2: Yeah it's, it's like really a side nice. step fadeaway. Yep.
3: And it's because and because he's left handed as well, it it's does, hard to it, guard. Yeah, it
2: creates so much space for him. So that's it's, it's a step back. That's what they what did um Kevin Durant call it, the hezy jerk. He because he, he he does the same thing that he co- he compares basically compared Markel Fultz's game to James Harden's game because they have that same kind of it's deception mm. that's the key to it. They don't they get look, you off balance. That's what it is, and then they, and then they can shoot. You, they can shoot over you. They go past you. Now I'm not comparing. Don't get don't get me wrong here. Markel Fultz is a rookie. James Harden's an NBA superstar, but it's the same kind of if you watch them play, it's the same exact style. Yeah, exactly. And that James Harden, that step back is impossible to yeah. guard because he's, he's so consistent.
3: They just get you off balance and then they punish you. And one guy in turn, to me, kind of fits the last question mark of guys that don't get the love they deserve. And when you're mentioning people who keep defenders off balance, Rod Strickland um, oh, yeah. just had an incredible handle, but looked like he couldn't dribble the basketball. It was a little bit all over the place, but he was doing it to keep the defense off balance. like They'd be hesitating towards him for steals. And Rod Strickland would start doing that at like half court. And all of a sudden then he's 10 feet from the rim and he just jumps up and hits a little floater. And he was just unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable.
2: And he was so strong for a guy, you know, at that time in a league where, I mean, weightlifting is of course part of it, but he had an NBA physique when he stepped into the league. Yeah. So that definitely helps people. Um, our next question comes from JP 23 X. Um, Nice guy listening to the show. Uh he asked if you were going to build the perfect basketballer. Uh example like the passing of this person, the shooting of this person, who would you pick? And he said you could include past and present and include any attribute you feel necessary.
3: Um Okay. Do we do we want
2: to do this together or do you want to do this separately? I think we should do this separately, but we can break the categories down to so I don't want to do height. I don't want to do anything like that because that's kind of silly. But like he said, why don't we start with passing? If you had to pick the perfect baller, who would, whose passing would you pick? Um,
3: probably Jason Kidd. Uh, okay. magic is, had the greatest court vision. Um, but Jason Kidd just had this ability to find any pass in traffic. And always be able to time his passes perfectly. Like you very rarely see saw a Jason Kidd pass get stolen.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, Jason Kidd. Okay, that's a great pick. I, and I thought about it for a while. And it, I, as you know, I'm a I'm a point guard, and I'm a point guard fan. That's my favorite position. But passing, I actually went with LeBron James. Um, and the reason is is because what you just basically talked about magic, and it's the court vision. People want to compare LeBron to Michael Jordan, but he's more like Magic Johnson than any other player that ever lived. And in my opinion, he's, he's better than Magic or will be better than Magic, depending on, you know, however you want to look at it. But his strength, passing ability, I mean, court, court awareness is just unbelievable. People take shots at LeBron for not taking the final shot and he's just making the better basketball play. Michael Jordan. People forget. Michael Jordan did the same thing. The difference is those guys can them shots where maybe the bronze guys miss it. And I know the guy has his warts, but I've never seen somebody pass a basketball like that so effortlessly that LeBron James does. So I want with the Bron. Um, what about shooting, Dave? All time. It doesn't it can be either I'd, or.
3: I'd go with I'd go with Steph. Me too. Um, I just think he is the greatest shooter that the NBA has ever seen. Uh, because he, he just had, like, a lot of guys can, can shoot really well if there's, you know, catch and shoot situations or whatever, or coming off screens like a Reggie Miller. But Steph can create his own shot as well. He can do those things and he can create his own shot and shoot off the dribble. And for me, when you see a guy dribble the ball up with, four seconds left, get to about thirty feet from the rim and just effortlessly ping a three and turn and celebrate before the ball has even hit the cylinder <laughs> near the cylinder. Like to have that kind of supreme confidence in your own ability that comes from hours and hours and hours of hard work and knowing that you're great at something. And for me, Steph is the best we've ever seen.
2: That, yeah. That aspect. I totally agree. And one of the most underrated things is people don't realize how good of a dribbler he is. Mm. And that is, that is one of the reasons he can get that shot off so quick. Um, so I'd pick two. So while we're talking about dribbler, who is your greatest dribbler ever? Isaiah who? Thomas. Good pick. Um,
3: there's guys that are flashier, like AI. Kyrie, but Isaiah just had this perfect handle, real tight and compact, everything in the box, but, you know, he could go through his legs effortlessly at any point, both hands, bring the ball back under his knees, like, and I'm talking about crouching down, putting his head down, bring the, put the ball under his knees and then go the opposite direction in a heartbeat. There's been guys with flat, like I mean, you talk about the greatest dribbler ever is probably God Shamgod.
2: Yeah, he was one. He was amazing,
3: was yeah. in, insanely good. But he could never translate it. And then you like White Chocolate Jason Williams, incredible handle. Um, yeah. Ray for skipped my loo. amazing the things he could do. And but like Shamgod, a lot of what he could do was street ball. It didn't translate to the NBA. But Isaiah. Translated everything he did and what he learned playing on the streets of Chicago to the NBA, and he just he was just incredible. Isaiah Thomas for me, if it wasn't from for Magic and I, I could probably if I wanted to make a compelling argument that I, Isaiah is a better point guard than Magic mm-hmm. because you know He could
2: make a, that argument
3: better scorer, better dribbler, not. Quite as good a passer, but a great passer as well. But magic is magic, and, you know, magic is the greatest leader we've ever seen in the NBA. So, um, Isaiah for me would, in terms of dribbling ability, I'd, I'd take Isaiah.
2: Okay. Yeah. I thought about that, and he was, well, he was down. I was down with two guys. It was him and the guy I ended up picking, and that was Tim Hardaway. The, his crossover, the UTEP two-step, he could just dribble a basketball. I mean, just at ease. And you want to
3: know something funny? Hmm. You, you want to know who taught him how to do his crossover?
2: Who? Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, they're, that's... Both,
3: they're both Chicago guys. Yeah, and Isaiah taught him how to do
2: that that crossover. And he could get by a defender with that crossover. So I mean, it was lethal. I, I mean, yeah. Allen Iverson's the only guy I've ever seen with maybe a better crossover that I can think of off that the top first of my head step as well yeah it was just it blew by everybody and and the guy never hurt his knee. I know it's a shame, and, and you know the funny thing about Tim Hardaway is that he never really looked like he was ever in great shape. No, you know he always he, looked heavy he always looked heavy, and it, it, it's just funny because a guy like that like it it's not that he wasted his talent because he played a long time and he was a great player but if I wonder if he just ever got into shape, like would he have been a better player could i mean it, that those warriors teams were really good, but they won nothing. Them. You know they had a great players team. Like yeah, yeah, team. Yeah, he team he played
3: with with, with Alonzo under under Pat Riley. They were so good. And Glenn Rice was on those and teams Glenn too. Rice was on the team, but they could just never get over the hump. Mm-hmm. Now, I know they ran into the Bulls for a number of years, but when when Jordan left in '98, that was their opportunity. They I meant they had Jamal Mashburn
2: as well. They did, and that was that was before he got injury injury prone. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll do two more categories with this. I figured blocking shots and rebound. So we'll do rebound first. Who would be your rebound? Maybe this is an obvious choice, but I'm going to see who you pick.
3: See, from the thing is because we've we've not done height and that kind of thing. I, I've kind of you can take based it into this,
2: consideration, though. That's okay. No,
3: but the thing is, I've kind of based this on whose body would I want? I'd want LeBron. I want that that yeah. phys- physique and that athleticism. So I'm looking at guys. And, in terms of the rebounding
2: and blocking shots around
3: his well, size, well, it,
2: it, it can be two different guys though. They don't have to be the same. If well, you want them to be the same, that's completely okay. So, so but for it, rebounding,
3: the two guys that are kind of similar size, Charles obviously. Uh, yeah. I bit Charles is only five. but the guy I'd go with is Dennis Rodman. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going. I I just think he's, well, for what he was able to do at that height. Guarding guys that had six inches on them
2: and, and been able to out rebound them, um, just insane. Yeah. And I, I was going to go with the same, but I want to be different here. So I'm going to take Moses Malone. Ooh, good shout. Because he was just, I mean, I, I, I was young when those Sixers teams were great, but I've seen all those highlights because thank you, YouTube, and mm. thank you, Dad, for getting me those old VHS tapes. You know, he was. It's an unbelievable rebounder and player.
3: Yeah, a, a phenomenal player. We we have forgotten one person in terms of the dribbling. Um, I think you'll agree on this one. Oh, Maravich. No. Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that no.
3: That guy phenomenal. had a crossover that could break ankles, legs, knees. Yes, he hips. did. He was insanely good.
2: Yeah, no, he really wasn't. He was a great college player too. Mm. And um got a lot of shit for changing his name, didn't he? It's a funny thing. Yeah. Funny thing how that works. Mm. Um how about we'll go to the last one. Uh how about best shot blocker?
3: Best shot blocker I've ever seen is Hakim Olajuwon. Yeah. Because he just had this ability to spring from anywhere. He had incredible timing, and you know a lot of guys block shots and they do it the fancy way where they block it into the fifth row. Mm-hmm. He'd block it off the backboard and then get the rebound and then start start you know a a, a counter attack as we call it, and
2: you know in, in soccer football, football. Um, <laughs> you know. So yeah, I I go with a came. Okay, and I was gonna pick the same, but again, I don't want to do the same. And I, I thought about some other guys. David Robinson was a hell of a shot blocker. Um, obviously, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, but you know, I'm I'm thirty, I'm almost thirty six. I didn't see those guys play in the NBA. Um, so I'm gonna throw out the Kemi Matumbo. Oh yeah, just because he was not finger a great. I mean, just because yeah. the finger wag. The finger wag was the greatest thing ever. Um and if you got anywhere near his body he was blocking your shots. He was literally all elbows, knees, and mm. a giant head. Um so I'm gonna go with that. And our next we again we have a lot of great Twitter questions. I appreciate it, guys. Uh this is from Mitch Move at Noblo twenty thirteen. What are your thoughts on Carmelo Anthony possibly joining the Houston Rockets? If he can be Olympic mellow, do they have a shot at conference final or maybe even more? If he can, if he's happy to go there and be Olympic mellow, then
3: they absolutely can make the conference finals. Um, I would have concerns about the defensive side when you already have James Harden, who's n- not a good defensive player. Um, I think it's going to put a lot on Chris Paul, who's a great defensive point guard. And I can't think of the name of their center, the Swiss kid.
2: Oh, Houston Center?
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't know his name on the top of my head either. But like, he's a very good defensive center. He's a good rebounder, good shot blocker. But if, if, if Mello and Harden are getting roasted and guys are just driving into the lane, he's gonna have a lot of work to do. Um, and they've also got a lot of other guys who aren't good defi- good defense. Eric Gordon's not a particularly good defender. Um, Ryan Anderson might be the worst defender in the league. Clint yeah. Capella. Clint Capella's his name.
2: That's the um, center, yeah.
3: Like, I know they've picked up uh, Mbamute this summer, and they've got a couple of other good... Def- like, PJ Tucker's a great defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And, of course, Ariza's a good defender. So, maybe they find ways to make it work. But, for me, them adding Mello is kind of... They're adding Mello for the sake of adding Mello, because it's another big name. Because I... I've just—I'm not in love with the fit. If it works and Mellow just accepts that role and tries on defense, then yeah, they can make the conference finals. But I—I I don't like the fit. I'd actually much prefer Mellow in OKC as Olympics. makes Melo more sense there between yeah. Stephen Adams and and C- and PG thirteen with Russ and whoever they want to throw out at the two car.
2: Yeah, I think that, I think you're right there. I think that OKC fit is better. Um, as far as Houston goes, I have kind of the same concerns. Like, I don't know. A lot of those guys don't play defense as it is. So, Mm. and then even if he is Olympic mellow, there's only so many shots around to guys who are used to having the ball in their hand all the time. Chris Paul does not like relenting the ball. No. Um, he just doesn't. And we'll see how it fits. I mean, a lot of the ESPN guys seem to think that they're the second best team in the West. I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe they are. Um, do I think they can beat the Warriors? No. I don't, it doesn't matter who else they bring there because there's nobody else available other than Mello. So I'm going to basically agree with what you're saying there, Dave. I, I just, I can't see him making that big of a difference. Um, but he'll make them a better team. But when they play teams who can just stretch them out, Gold, they're just gonna get Gold destroyed. Sweep them. Yeah, Golden like, State will just own them. You know. uh, um, next question comes from Rick at Ricardino11. If you could play like any NBA player, past or present, for just one day, who would you pick and why would you pick them? Play against them? No, no, no. If you could, if you could play like them, that's to have their like game. Them.
3: Yeah. Oh, Jordan, because I go in, have a tryout with a team, Show them how brilliant I am. Convince them I'm worth loads and loads of money. Sign a big contract. Then ring Nike and send them a video of my mixtape. Get loads <laughs> of money off them. And then you know they wire me an advance, so I end up with about ten million. And then the next day, all my talent's gone. But oh, I, I
2: still have your money. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so, so that's probably the best answer. Um I, I would I would pick Jordan, but I don't want to make it so easy. And I would pick it for other reasons, obviously. But I thought about. In the NBA, who would I want to be? And I'm like, okay, I could be any superstar I wanted, but why don't I be Mugsy Bogues? Yeah. Because Mugsy Bogues was five foot three and played and played in the NBA and was a pretty damn good player. He wasn't a novelty; he could actually play. Great defender. A, yeah, and he won a slam dunk competition. You know, Great or no, that was, that was Spud Webb. I was thinking of. Sorry, but, Spud won the, Yeah, but like.
3: But Mugg, Muggsy, Muggsy, I think Muggsy was in the dunk contest.
2: He was, yeah. And I, that's why, I mean, I just, you know, root for that guy because why not, right? I mean, oh. I could have picked LeBron. I could have picked Jordan. I could have picked Charles Barkley, Allen Iverson. On the other hand, it would be nice to be Shaq just to have that kind of so big.
3: physical dominance that, you know, say you got to play one game. You just go to your entire team. You're much bigger than them. So you go to your entire team before the game. You just tell him, I'm scoring 80 tonight. Give me the ball or I'm going to kill you after the game. <laughs> and just repetitively dunk over your man until he cries. Until he offers you money to not on him anymore.
2: That's how you do And, you know, he is a fucking beast. I mean, Shaq was, I, I basically referees changed the rules so that it would be fair to play against him, which you know, I'm not a huge Shaq fan, but I don't like that. Um, another question's from Ali, and that's at, I think it's Galigno. Uh, you know, he, he plays, he's in my fantasy, uh, he's baseball from, league. He's from
3: Toronto, yeah, he's a good
2: guy. He is, he's, yeah, he's a Toronto guy, and he's also a Philadelphia Eagles fan, so him and I yeah, are always gonna be on good terms. so
3: don't have great great, great great taste in things, you know.
2: Yeah, you know it happens. <laughs> There's some other jerk off I know who lives in Toronto. I just can't remember who that is. So let's forget that. can name him Steve Genero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his Ali's question is: Do you agree with Mark Cuban that players like Colin Kaepernick would not be blackballed in the NBA, even though there have been examples? And he brought up Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, who was sort of blackballed mm. after. Uh, Dave, you happened to bring him up earlier. Chris Jackson, he switched his name. And then um, he, he refused to stand for the anthem. And he's.
3: That's right. He made comments about. See, he made comments about the flag. And I think. For, that's the difference. That's the difference. He, he wasn't blackballed because he didn't stand for the anthem. He was blackballed because of what he said about the flag. And he's entitled to his opinion. And I don't, look, I don't think anybody should have to stand for an anthem. When you're a, when you're a grown, like a grown ass man or a grown ass woman, you, you're allowed to make your own decisions. So if you decide you don't want to stand for the anthem, to me that's fine. I get kids in school having to stand for it because it, it's a mark of respect. It teaches them respect, which is important. But I think when you're, when you're an adult, you, you just shouldn't have to stand for things that you don't want to stand for. Um, but I think Kaepernick has been disgustingly treated. Uh, I don't think it would happen in the NBA. Um, Ralph was was a, a, a different, different time. Era. Yeah, I'm talking 25 years ago. Like it was the early 90s,
2: which is um, easy to forget. It's yeah, very easy, you know. To forget the world how long the world goes. was very
3: different, especially when you consider America. It was, it, it was coming off the back of the Gulf War as well when he we did
2: it. That's what it is. That's so, that's the big thing. That's the nail on the head, right yeah. there.
3: So I know, like I know, the Kaepernick thing comes after the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, but. He wasn't disrespectful. He didn't say anything disrespectfully, just that I don't want to stand for the anthem. That's fine.
2: Yeah, and the, and the funny thing about the Kaepernick thing is he should be in the NFL. He should have a job. He should. There's, there's not 90 better quarterbacks than him in
3: the, there's not. the world. There's There's maybe 40. He'd be yeah. a mid-level backup, like a decent That's right. backup.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, no great player at this point in his career, no. but he's not. he's not a stiff either, and... This he's made it within perfectly clear. The he was two yeah, yards from the Super I, I, Bowl
3: against them. Baltimore. So,
2: yeah, and he's made it perfectly clear why he's doing it. Mm. He's not doing it to offend military personnel. And listen, you know, I had a dad and a brother who were Marines, so it doesn't offend me. I, I get, I get why they get offended, but he's came out and said, "I want racial." You know, it's the racial injustice that's going on. And unless you're just an idiot, you have to realize that like African-Americans – and I'll just use my country as an example, but this obviously doesn't just go on in my country. It's just everybody likes to use America as the great, um I guess, example for everything, which the is sort of racism, sh- as they heard it called over the weekend. Well, I, I mean – Which is un-
3: both unfair – it and, is, and also and it, unfortunate because it we, is. We saw what it, happened at the weekend with that march, and, and where yeah, the, it,
2: the Charlottesville, Charlottesville thing is—it's is so it, just you know when you go down in the South. For people who don't know and they're listening to this, um, and I'm, I have friends in the South. It's not all of them, uh, but there is a huge population of what we like to call rednecks. Um, and listen, man, they like their Confederate flag. They like things. They would like black people to be slaves. Um, I'm from Philadelphia. You know, it's funny. I can drive three hours, two hours, and I'm in the South, mm. and it can't be any different. So for people who haven't been here, it, it's not all like that. Now, what's going on with Kaepernick is disgusting, but I, I do agree with you with the NBA thing. I don't think that would happen. I think the NBA is kinder to their players. I think they market their players really well. Um you see so many different cultures in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? There's so many different. It's a, like we talked about last episode. It's a global game. You know, it's if it was an Asian guy doing this, would he get the same shit? No. I'm not sure. I don't think he would. No, I don't think um, so
3: either.
2: Yeah, and it's and it's a shame. And and nobody can actually tell me that Kaepernick doesn't have a job because of what he's doing. Because everybody knows that all these teams will never admit it. That's basically what it is, and the NBA it's just a different let's, environment. Let's say it's Darren
3: Williams, okay? Darren Williams used to be a star point guard in the league, yeah. as Kaepernick was a star quarterback in the in the NFL. He's no he 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 lost his ability to play somewhere along the way. He's still decent, but he's not the player he was. Same with Kaepernick. Different reasons obviously, but say Darren Williams had done this, refused mm-hmm. to stand for the anthem. And then say last year, the Cavaliers are looking for a backup point guard and there's Darren Williams available to you. Or here's some guy who was a backup in college, has never been, you know, a starter in, in the league. And you don't really know what you're getting with him. Well, who are you going to take? You're going to take Darren Williams because you know what he can do. He's a veteran presence. He's happy to accept the role. And if you talk to people that know him, he's a good guy. The same with Kaepernick. You you hear people who played with him speak, and they all say he's a good guy. He's just misunderstood, and he's maybe made look. He's not an angel. He's he's maybe made a couple of mistakes along the way. Sure, but he's a good guy. How are you really telling me that when Seattle were desperately looking for a backup to Russell Wilson, that they genuinely looked at Colin Kaepernick and RG three and Thought, yeah, RG3 is better than him, even though he's got no knees. He's no fundamental ability other than the ability to run, which he won't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And they were, they almost signed him instead of Kaepernick. Like, how does that happen? You're, you're telling me that, you know, a Johnny Manziel is a better pick than this guy or, you know, 20 other guys in the league over the last couple of years that got opportunities. And this guy can't, he can't even get an opportunity.
2: Yeah, and in, and he, and the sad part of it is he's probably not going to either. No, like, Unless, the like, thing dire is, he's, he's things, not even nobody, getting tryouts. Well, you know, because he's gonna, and I hate to say this, but he's gonna alienate fan bases. And when you alienate mm-hmm. fan bases, you take away money from a team. And for the for the for the non-gullible people, we understand that. But for the people who don't get this. That's what sports is all about. Yeah, you know, all of them. It, it's, it's just all about money, and sports are great, but bottom line is these owners care about money. So um, we got a final few uh, from our buddy Janigan, because we always fuck his name up, and he said that was cool if we just call him Jen. So he has a couple of questions. Which year had the best draft class ever? 1984. Okay, so you're going to go... The Olajuwon, Jordan, Barkley, John Stockton. Yeah. Okay. I am going to disagree with you just for shits and giggles. I'm going to go the 96 class with A.I., Kobe, Canby, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, (laughs) Tasia Stojakovic, Stefan Marbury. I went with the 96 class. But you can certainly easy easily make the eighty four number one as well. And a two thousand three draft with LeBron, Carmelo, Bosch, Wade. Yeah, well, it was uh, insane. They're they're the three but, best.
3: But as well as the guys that you mentioned from from eighty four that everybody knows, Elijah Juan, Jordan, Barkley, and Stockton, like Alvin Robinson, Robertson. Yeah. Um, number seven pick. He I think is a four or five time All Star.
2: Yeah. Ke- Kevin Great. Willis. Great player for the Hawks.
3: Played twenty three years in the league. Um, what was it? Was an All Star, uh, and Otis Thorpe, two time NBA champion with the Rockets, uh, All Star, great scorer, great rebounder, really, really good, good basketball player, great defender as well. Um, so you know, both of those classes for certain, you can make arguments for. Um, and the 03 class is, it's a special one as well. But the 03 class also com- contains one of the biggest what ifs in NBA history. And that is, what if the Pistons, who at the time were one of the best teams in the NBA mm-hmm. and would go on to win the title 12 months later, what if they had drafted Carmelo Anthony? They might have won three or four rings.
2: Yeah, they took Darko Milicic, they, they, who was they, one of the biggest busts ever.
3: Ever. They took Darko. They let Melo go to Denver. I mean, not only Darko, I mean, they could have taken D. Wade. They yeah.
2: Could have taken Chris Bosch. David West.
3: Yeah, Chris Bosch. You know, they took Darko, which was just a colossal error. And it, like, that was an incredible team that Do- Dumars had put together in, in Detroit. And if they could have added Melo and had him as their sixth man for those early years, coming off the bench to score 18 to 20 points, and then eventually you bring him into the starting rotation when Rasheed Wallace starts to fade, well, all of a sudden,
2: you, you probably do have three or four rings. Yeah, they probably have a dynasty there, right? Yeah. Um, The second part of the question, how many stars... Do you see in this year's, this year's draft, this past draft?
3: Uh, let me just pull up the draft so I can have a, have a proper look. I think Fultz is the obvious one. Yeah, so do I. Um, I think, I do think, Ball has the potential to be the biggest, not the best player, but the biggest star. Yeah. Because, because he's in LA, because he's going to be working with Magic and, because I think both me and you are of the school of thought that a certain LeBron James will probably be a Laker in 12 months. Yes.
2: Um, I think- put just, a team on him.
3: Yeah. I think Josh Jackson could be a star. I do. I think he could be a Paul George type star. Not an A-level star, but that kind of A-, kind of A-level. minus Um I don't think Tatum could be a star. I don't think Tatum, Fox, Markenian, Dennis, Dennis Smith, good. He's got yeah. a chance, and he's got a chance because yeah, he he's, he's like um like a remix of of Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, big, he really is the biggest X factor. Potentially the biggest talent in the draft. Potentially the biggest bust in the draft. The guy that went at six to Orlando, Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. He could be anything. He could, he could be, you know, he could be the next Kevin Garnett, or he could be the next Jonathan Bender.
2: Yeah, yeah, he has to work on his offensive game drastically. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean Jason Tatum. It's a shame because he's on the Celtics. He's just not going to get a lot of time, and I don't know if his game translates. We've talked about that in the past. Yeah, Um, Malik Monk. I don't think is going to be a star. Donovan Mitchell could be because he's in a really good situation in Denver, where he's going to play a lot. He's in Utah.
3: He got oh, traders. I'm sorry. He yeah, got that's traders. right. He's He's a, got, he'll have an even better, better
2: situation. Yeah, because now, um, what's his face? The Great White Hope is gone.
3: Yeah, you're um, playing off the ball with Ricky Rubio, just giving you easy buckets.
2: Yeah, all day. He's going to be open all the time. So, yeah. um, And the last part of his question, and this will do it for our Twitter questions, is which franchise has the greatest all-time roster?
3: Mm. I would say it's one of two.
2: It's the Lakers or the Celtics. Yeah. That that was, that was who, I I mean, I thought about the Sixers have a great roster. And if you put an all-time team together, they could compete. For sure. Because, I mean, easily they could compete because you got Moses, you got Doc, you got Maurice Cheeks, you got Iverson, Charles, you got Chuck, you got Matumbo, but the Lakers also have Kobe and Shaq to put in there. So, I don't know how. I mean, the Celtics are have all time greats, but I just think with Kobe and Shaq, and I would I consider Shaq a Laker. I know he wasn't drafted there. Um, well,
3: don't forget you'd have you'd have Wilton in Philly as well.
2: Yeah, but you could have Wilton L.A. too. True. That's, True. That's but Wil Wilton
3: Wilt is the third greatest Laker center ever. Maybe the second.
2: Kareem is number one. Kareem is well. If you ask people here. Wilt's the greatest player ever, and there's a lot of basketball heads here. There's a guy. It's a shame you don't live here and you can't get the station. There's an old head on. We have our. We have two big local um, sports radio, but he tells these stories on Sunday mornings. His name's um, Sonny. Oh, God, yeah. I can't remember his last name now. Uh, Jesus, I feel like an idiot. Whatever, but he's he's a great basketball mind. And he'll tell you Wilt's the best best basketball player he's ever seen. And this is a guy who's, I think, in his 70s see, now.
3: That's the thing. But remember, Wil- Wilt in Philly was prime Wilt. Wilt in L.A. was Wilt that's, that's like true. 32 to 37. Yeah, so, this is
2: Wilt Philadelphia Warriors, not yeah. Philadelphia Sixers, too. So we're going back a bit. Yeah. Um, I would say... Could you make a case for any other team? Let's put it that way. Could you make it... We, everybody knows Boston. Everybody knows Lakers. We talked about the Sixers. Anybody else you can make at least a case for? Uh, I, Could you do it with Golden State? No. Well, if you can't, Wilt, for sure. Can Wilth, you?
3: Because you'd have Wilt, you'd have this current team, and you'd have that, that, the run TMC team, and then that team with Weber, and I know you hate Weber, but that team with Weber that one year was, was pretty good on the Donnie.
2: Um, yeah, Weber was a great player until his knees just went on him. That, you know, that, that, that happened. I,
3: I just don't think they have, like, if we're talking roster, we're talking either 1 through 12 or 1 through 15, and I think you could probably get a really good, maybe a really good 6 or 7 for Golden how about the, state. How about the Bulls? Again, the same kind of thing. You, you'd only really, like, you're talking great, great players. You've got Jordan, mm-hmm. Pippen, and then, like, Rose Noah Yeah a healthy D Rose they don't have the depth and yeah. so like with the, with the Celtics and the Lakers you can go all the way back to like the late 50s early 60s and they had great players I I think I would actually take the the Celtics over the Lakers
2: wow I even think, with Kobe and Shaq Yeah
3: because if I look at you know Bill Russell obviously yeah, his the backup center you'd have there, Robert Parrish. Now that's not as good as having Kareem and Shaq, but it's still really, really good. Oh, no question. But when I yeah. go to power forward, I mean my options are the likes of Kevin McHale. I could like play Larry Bird there. Bill Walton was a He he could be in my center mix. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Garnett. Uh you know, then you could end like the likes of Bob Cousy, John Havlicek, um, Dennis Johnson. You know, actually No, I do I think I think I'd go with the Celtics. I genuinely think wow. I'd go with the Celtics. It would be very, very close. Okay. Very, very close. Like I'm I'm talking the difference of maybe your your twelfth or fifteenth guy is a is an eight out of ten rather than a eight and a half out of ten or something like that. Um but I mean like I I think the Cel the Celtics just over the the hist the, the over the history of their franchise, I just think if you went back and looked at even just older Hall of Fame guys, I think it's the Celtics. I don't think it's it's there's much
2: in it, but I do think
3: it is. It is. Uh, it is the Celtics.
2: Okay, I'm gonna stick with the Lakers, but again, you made a, a case for the Celtics, and it's not like you're saying you know like the Charlotte Hornets or anything like ridiculous. No, absolutely
3: not. I mean, just to give just because okay, a lot of people are going to agree with you. Just to give you a rundown of these players. Tiny Archibald, Larry Bird, Bob Cousy, Dave Cowens, John Havlicek, Johnny Heinsohn, Bailey Howell, Dennis Johnson, Ed McCauley, Casey Jones, Sam Jones, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Frank Ramsey, Bill Russell, Bill Sharman, and Jojo White. They are 17 players that were selected to the Hall of Fame, based primarily or significantly upon their playing careers as Boston Celtics. Like, that's that's quite the who's who of of NBA history and you're talking over fifty years. I'm like Kevin Garnett's going into the Hall of Fame, Paul Pierce is going to the Hall of Fame, um, Ray Allen, well, but I don't think Do you
2: did. consider do you consider well Paul Pierce, of course, do you consider Kevin Garnett part of that?
3: Yeah, because I think Does he won a championship? because he well he
2: won a championship, but not only that, he, he
3: elevated himself. Kevin Garnett was obviously an MVP in Minnesota, but mm-hmm. he was only it was that was his year. He wasn't, you wouldn't have looked at it and gone, Kevin Garnett was the best player in the NBA because he wasn't even the best player at his position because Tim Duncan was better than Kevin Garnett.
2: Yeah. You also agreed. had
3: Shaq, Kobe, and, you know, LeBron had come into the league at that point. Whereas when he went to Boston, he became unquestionably the best defensive player in the league. He re, he just, he reimagined himself. He went from being this incredible all-rounder to just this absolute monster defensively. Um, if looking at Laker Hall of Famers, Adrian Dantley, Karl Malone, Bob McAdoo, Will Chamberlain, Jim Pollard—that's the Lakers Hall of Fame. Yeah, oh, yeah that's well, right, you're to yeah.
2: have. You're gonna have. Yeah, you're gonna have Shaq and Kobe. Shaq in there, and no Kobe. Question. Um, Mitch Richmond, but he's only there for a year. He doesn't count. James Worthy's in there.
3: James Worthy, yeah. Sorry, uh, you already said Magic. Magic and Kareem. Uh, Yeah, Elgin Baylor, incredible player. Um, Yeah, Gail Goodrich was there. Mm -hmm. So, like they, they they do obviously. They have. They. I mean, they match up really well.
2: You know, there's no question they match up. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's nice one. You can, you know, if we're picking an NBA team, you have to leave out a lot of those guys.
3: Yeah, for sure. You know,
2: that's uh, not many teams can say that. So uh, maybe it's my Boston bias, but I I still go to the Lakers. I, I missed one off the Lakers: Jerry West. Jerry Rust, yeah, well, I was going to say that. Was gonna, he logo. is for people. Yeah, exactly. For people who don't know, the NBA logo is actually tailored after Jerry West. So for people who don't know that. The um, man who
3: now runs the Clippers.
2: Yeah. 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 That's Tubbs team. Um, he's quite excited about that, but you know, I'm not that excited unless they have to, they just gave uh, stupid contracts out, but that's for another podcast. So before Dave got, Dave and I got on the night, um, the NBA schedule was released. Uh, a, kind of a big thing. Um, as you guys probably know who listen to this now, I'm a Sixers fan. Dave's a T-Wolves fan. Um, my Sixers and Dave's T-Wolves are on Christmas Day games. Yeah. And that is a big thing, folks. That is huge here. Um, for people who don't celebrate Christmas, um, you know, it's all good, but Christmas Day basketball, just like Christmas Day football in America is gigantic. So the Sixers are actually on a pretty good amount of nationally televised games, which is awesome. They're going to be an exciting team, and the T-Wolves are on even more. So it's got to make you feel good.
3: It does. It's a sign that you're a team people care about.
2: They don't put you on Christmas Day
3: unless people care about you. Um so it's it is a really good sign uh for the Wolves and for and for your Sixers and you know, we're on, I think we're the 10th most televised team this, this season, which the last time we were even, you know, in the top, out of the, the bottom 10 was when we had Garnett. So, uh, it is, it's, it's a really big thing for Minnesota.
2: Everybody on, on Timberwolves Twitter is very excited. Yeah. No, that, that's a huge thing. And, you know, I always give the NBA credit. For listening to the owners, listening to the players. And I was looking at David Aldred's tweets tonight. He's a um, NBA reporter. He's a pretty well known one. Uh, and for the first time, the NBA has eliminated all stretches of four games and five nights. There were 70 as late as 2014, 2015. That is for the people I know soccer, football is a growing sport. Imagine playing four or five NBA game, four, NBA, NBA games in five nights going city to city. Mm. That is not easy. They're, as you know, Dave, they're not for home games. You know, mm. like you might play, even if it's by train, it's still brutal on the, it's taxing on the body. And I just wanted your thoughts on that.
3: When you're like, when you're six foot six or above, there's already incredible strain been put on your joints. When you're playing a game at high intensity and then been forced to curl yourself up into a seat on a type of transport that wasn't really designed for people your height, um that's not that's not gonna be pleasant. Um it's great to be doing away with these four or five nights. Next I wanna see them do away with the back to backs. I hate back to backs for a couple of reasons. Number one, they just the second game is always terrible one the team always plays terrible in the second
2: game um and the other reason is cuz they often rest players you know what well that your... was that was sorry to interrupt you that was the other part of the tweet from david aldridge mm-hmm. david aldridge the nba has also protected 22, 22 national tv games neither team will be playing on a back to back or a five game in seven nights so they are eliminating some yeah. of them just not all of them
3: you know that's going to be great though the first one of them that involves the Spurs, and Popovich just rests everybody anyway. Yep. Because he's Greg Popovich, and he does what
2: he wants. And he does what he wants, and the funny thing is, is he's smart in doing it, because what the league, I think, finally figured out is that he's not doing it for a slap in the face. He's doing it because it eventually gives your league a better product, because these guys are rested exactly. and ready to play, as opposed to, you know, especially at the end of the season, if I had nothing to play for, my seed is locked in, if I'm the Spurs and I'm the number 2 seed, why would I play Duncan and guys like that? Why would mm. I play Tony Parker and Mana Ginobili? Save them for when you need them. So, um I did find it interesting uh and pretty cool at the same time that the Lakers are on the on TV a lot <clears throat> and they're not going to be very good, but Dave and I have spoke about in the past how it's good for the big teams to be on TV. Um obviously, the Lonzo, Lakers, the football, Knicks,
3: the Celtics and Philly are on TV a lot. It brings extra eyes. Extra eyes means extra money. Extra money means better caliber and better quality. So, how about it?
2: Yeah, and there, I, was, I was talking the day before the podcast, and I was congratulating him on the... He did a podcast with Gags, and it's a Liverpool podcast, but the way I'm tying this in is they talked about zonal marking. So, a lot of people... Dave explained what that was, but zonal marking is a lot like zone defense in where the was NBA. Where stolen from? That's exactly it was right. It's actually
3: stolen from basketball. Yes.
2: Yeah, so I want people listening to this to know that that's where that concept is from. So that's why I'm guessing that that's why you know it so well. Yeah. Um, because I know you've watched basketball just as long as I have. So that's something I did want to bring up. Um, and like, the NFL
3: teams stole the concept of the zone. Yes. Again, from NBA. And a lot of people think it came from the NFL. It didn't. trace it, did it back, came from the NBA first. um and then the NFL stole it. And then, there, you could argue that football stole it from the NFL, mm-hmm. but it, it originated in, in, in the NBA. I think it, I think you, we might actually find it originated in European basketball and was then brought to the NBA, but I, I'd have to properly dig into that.
2: Yeah, that I'm not 100% sure about, but um tonight Dave and I are going, as we do every night, as we do every podcast, I should say, we're going to talk about our legend. The legend we're going to talk about tonight is one Dr. J, Julius Irving. Um, I do want to start with Dr. J was a phenomenal player. He was a sixer, but what a lot of people don't realize is there was a league called the American Basketball Association, better, more well known as the ABA. That league was founded in 67. It ceased to exist in 76, and then they basically merged with the NBA and brought the introduction of the three-point shot with them. So Dr. J was a New Jersey net, or I should say a New York net. Um So he played a lot before he got to the Sixers, Dave. Hmm. Tell me what kind of player he was. I, I, he, well, was he started yeah.
3: off with the Virginia Squires.
2: Um, that was his, yeah, ABA his original
3: team. ABA team, and they're no longer in existence. And then he became a real star with the Nets. Um, and he they were really, in New York at the time. Who were in New York? He really elevated them uh to, you know, to to the point where they were. There was an, there was arguments over whether that team could beat the best team in the NBA. Um, the ABA had become very strong at that time. Because a lot of players were unhappy with how they were being paid in the NBA. So they were making the switch and there was a lot of, a bit of a talent drain in the NBA in the mid and late seventies, which is what prompted the merger, um, as Mm -hmm. well as they arguing over TV rights and things like that. But I mean, Dr. J was just an incredible player. I mean, one time NBA champion, but he also won two NBA, two ABA titles with those nets um this is the guy who made dunking cool yes this is the guy because you know you look back in the early years of the nba and there was a lot of white guys and white guys don't jump very well so dunking was only really done by power forwards and centers big guys guys who could basically touch the rim if they stood up straight and that was the way kind of into the 70s and then it became more fashionable where you get Shooting guards and small forwards who would dunk. Um, I might be wrong here, but didn't they change the rules in college for Dr. J because to stop him dunking? I could be wrong about that, but I, I think that's, that's correct that the, the NCAA
2: rules were changed. They were. He, they, they, remember, a lot of people don't, again, people listen to this podcast, dunking used to be illegal. Mm. You weren't allowed to dunk and then, that used to be a technical in college and and in the NBA. Hmm. Now you watch today's game and you're like, get the hell out of there! There's no way possible. But that was, yeah, it was put in basically because there was black guys who could jump higher, and they thought that was a disadvantage. Which again, we, we it seems had the that racism, doesn't it, was it? Yeah, we we had the racism conversation. Um, again, Dave and I do recognize that it obviously is there. Uh, Doctor J was. Uh, Phenomenal player, um Doctor J is huge in the town I live in. He poster posterized Michael Cooper in the '83 finals. Oh, the Rock the baby! Um, the Rock the baby! If uh, anybody wants to YouTube that, but it's one of the greatest dunks
3: in the '77 finals. Is that dunk over Bill Walton? Oh, and- the. I don't know how we lost that. I it just know.
2: still pains me to this day. Um, but
3: I think his most the thing is he, he made dunking cool. He's known as like the godfather of the dunk, mm-hmm. and he he showed that it wasn't all just about power. You didn't have to just get up and try and rip the rim down. You could do it with finesse, and you could be creative. But I think his most famous ever move is that that baseline cut, where he jumps basically. Out of bounds. Yeah. But has the agility, the balance, the coordination to turn his body, glide around Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and just flick it up and lay it in. And, it, and it's, it's,
2: it's a just... famous, famous, famous play. I mean, it's, it's unreal. They show it in slow motion and it doesn't even look real. No.
3: It's, it's amazing. If you, if you haven't seen it, just YouTube Doctor J Baseline, and you'll see it. It's it's incredible. The coordination for a guy six eight or so to be able to twist his body in midair and hang in midair like that is just is amazing. But this this was a a leader, a, an elite scorer, um a guy who really when when his team's needed him, a guy that turned up and he was part of that great sixers team in 83 which
2: yeah the fo 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 as moses moses malone that was um, a
3: hell of a team
2: that was a great team yeah and they you know they swept the lakers that that was no easy feat you know that was a really good lakers team and uh, they should have won more than they did um but you know i guess you could say that about a lot of teams but they i mean they're Extra unfortunate. A lot of teams
3: run into one great team, like the great teams in the nineties ran into the Bulls. The great teams in the thousands ran into first the the Kobe Shark Lakers, and then the Duncan era Spurs, and then after that it was like LeBron James in in Miami. But yeah. they ran into two great teams, two of the probably five greatest teams ever.
2: The Celtics, eight, and, uh, the Celtics
3: and the Lakers of that era, the Kareem, Worthy, and Magic, and the Lakers, Parish, they Kale Bird, yeah, DJ Walton, and everybody, Danny Ainge, and everybody Dad else Ainge. in the Celtics. You know, so they spare. yeah, it was. They were just so unfortunate that they they were in that era because if they'd been five years earlier, they probably would have won four or five years
2: straight. Oh, totally agree. Because they started dismantling that team, they traded Moses in a horrendous trade, and you know, guys got hurt. Billy Cunningham. Remember, a lot of people forget how good Andrew Tony was mm-hmm. um, until them damn feet they just destroyed well, his career. But he was the Boston Strangler for a reason.
3: I'm you know, pretty sure yeah. Charles Barkley said he's the greatest player he's ever played with. I,
2: and Andrew I remember. Tom. He was phenomenal and he was such a great shooter, but his feet just, they were shot. He got the nickname the Boston Strangler. Celtics fans to this day hate him. You know, I mean, he was just so good, but.
3: Just for listeners who don't know, Joe mentioned that the Sixers traded away Moses Malone and he called it a a horrendous trade. It's just known as a a Sixers trade. Um, because (laughs) that's kind of what they do. Uh, see trades for Charles Barkley. And yes. Allen Iverson, if you're not sure what I mean.
2: Yeah, and the funny thing is is Dave's not even joking because a lot of our Philadelphia teams baseball, basketball, hockey, have all done the same thing. So uh, you know, it it's a great sports town and at the same time it's we're sort of tortured ourselves here. Um but I don't want to forget that seventy six forget like I was alive, but YouTube the '76 slam dunk contest. Dave talked about the dunking earlier. If you want to see dunks from guys who could dunk, because Michael Jordan, great dunker, Dominique Wilkins, fan, amazing dunker, watch that '76 with George Gervin, Aris Gilmore, David Skywalker Thompson, that and and obviously Julius Irving. That is on YouTube, and it's just phenomenal. That's guys with the Julius Irving's known for the throwback fro. I love it and he has that fro when he's dunking. It's just it, it was a cool time to be in the NBA. Agreed. So, on that note, we'll stop now. Um Dave, do you have anything you want to plug before I let you go?
3: Um another podcast of Gags yesterday on MMA Monthly is out this week as well.
2: All right, cool. Um, and for me, everybody listening, I did talk to gags, uh, yesterday or today. Uh, NBA Holes is going to be on the app this week. So anybody who has missed the first six and including tonight's, that should be up and much more easily accessible. Uh, but for me, nothing else but what I always say at the end of these podcasts trust the process. <laughs>